0: We bought a mic. This is the one. We bought a brand new
1: theme.
0: Listener Glass. voicemails. We bought a mic.
1: Thanks for the anchor money.
0: A mic. Talking. It's a the length they want. Catch up. I ran out of material. I like wow! Punk
1: culture is good. Hello. And we'd welcome. like to
0: we'd like to thank uh, One O Tricks Point Sometimes for that <laughs> electronic uh, soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the show, boys. That's what I call Ernest now. You should make that joke every week. <laughs> yeah, One O Tricks Point Sometimes. <laughs> it's going to be I One O Tricks Point always. Before you know it. Mm-hmm. Um. Welcome. Hello. How are you guys doing? Feeling feeling the burn, yet yeah that coronavirus burn. I'm one of those weirdos who's like, yes, uh, I'm going straight from Buttigieg to Bernie. I have no idea what politics <laughs> are. I have no values. I'm confused about myself. <laughs> I'm more I'm more of a clubhead head myself. Uh, oh, I
1: Ernest, I have bad news for you. What Super Tuesday's tomorrow. <laughs> That, yeah, is, that no. is bad news
0: for Klobheads. <laughs> bad everywhere. news
1: is that Klobuchar
0: won the presidency. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That was not my intention. Oh, oh. I was you only supporting her. did it for the memes. Yeah. yeah. She so. she has a great personality. You do, like, her, she was very entertaining at every debate. Like, she was Tom and, very... and Buttigieg was Jerry. Whenever she got to talk shit about Buttigieg, it was like, it wasn't like
1: political. It was like she wanted to kill him. Which is relatable. so who is the Roman in this situation? Ooh. Is that like Ro- <laughs> is that like Tom Steyer sitting in the corner like jacking off or something? Like
0: Roman Roy? Yeah. Oh, um who has the most Roman energy? That's a good so question. So when I say Tom and Jerry, you go straight to succession? <laughs>
1: yeah, that was my thing. <laughs> That was my thing, and I was like, I but guess... Tom, Tom and Jerry <laughs> don't have scenes together, No, really. I know, but I know that that's what you were referencing. I was I so to,
0: confused by I wanted that. to
1: bring it around to something topical, because that's what this show is all about. That's true. Welcome to a political podcast. Yeah, um, I'm Ernest. I am Hunter. And I'm... Shanks, a fucking
0: railway cat! Back still, at it again. Still in the in the primary race.
1: Yeah skimble yeah you really thought that he was going to lose after a poor performance in iowa but he's still been churning around the democrats did just win south carolina well do you know how that debate (laughs) joe biden is skimble shanks the real way that that
0: debate in south carolina where everyone was like cheering for skimble shanks i heard it's because they they packed the audience full of jellicle cats right yeah (laughs) yeah it costs an amount that only a jellicle cat could pay and a, a cat is not a dog no, no, no. It no. is, they are not, it is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are not. Yeah. They are cats. Jellicle cats. Yes. Jellicles too. Um, all right, so what are we talking this week? We got-
1: <laughs> We're talking cats 2019. <laughs> once again. Once again, can't stop. We got
0: some uh, listener voicemails uh, that we're getting We to got go into. voicemails? You can email us at Mic with your voicemail, but better yet, just go to anchor.fm slash mic on your phone or download the anchor FM app and send us a voicemail directly through it. Um, You can do that right through the app. And we have two voicemails that I want to play for us and we'll react to them. And they are both from Brian from Kansas. Yeah. Shout out to Brian. The heartland. We, We have that region
1: locked down in the primaries. (laughs) <laughs> does, yeah, does Skimbleshanks got that yeah. on Like, Skimbleshanks really has a voice for middle America. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so
0: we'll do one, and we'll react to that one, and then we'll uh, do the other one after okay. that. Okay, so this one, the first one he sent uh, came in uh, about a week ago, and then the other one he sent out today because I put out a request on Twitter. Hell yeah. Um so I'm, I I am
1: hoping cuz you said you've only listened to one of them. I'm hoping that the one that you haven't listened to yet, he's just like this show's bad and I hate it. And that's <laughs> just that's what we're going to play on the podcast. That's entertainment. Okay, so
0: here we go. Uh Brian from Kansas 321.
2: Guys, we'll keep it short and sweet. It's a little cold outside. It's Brian from Kansas. Stepped out on my well, on the back porch with a Woni, needed to take a break from this NBA game. Lakers are well, they were losing nine to 19 to the Warriors, but now it's like 20 to 21. It's, uh, it's a lot, it's a hit and a miss. A lot of these games, it leads don't last. I don't know. I love the NBA. Um, love the podcast too. Well, bam, big fan. Jesus, uh, found it looking for some discussion for under the silver lake. That movie caught me by surprise and uh portrait of a lady on fire. I need to check it out. The podcast kicked ass. Um, wanted to recommend a band called rainbow kitten surprise out of North Carolina. Um, you probably have already heard of them. I don't know, but I freaking love them. Wanted to share the gospel. I'm trying to think, uh, American shoes, fever pitch, free fall, bunch of good songs. Um, yeah, it's great. Love the podcast. Wow. Thanks for
1: Man, the message, That Brian. actually, yeah, it was, you have a it's, great voice, Brian, better than ours. You might want to replace one of us on the podcast. We should have a Survivor-style episode in which Brian replaces one of us on the podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, the tribe has spoken.
1: So first of all, love the NBA heads out there that are listening to this. Uh, yep, Two-thirds of us are big NBA heads. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Any comments on that, Ernest? I, um, I...
0: saw High Flying Bird.
1: Okay, so that's that's good. He must. Um, I bet he's. So you know uh, more about um, the salary cap than you yeah. do about the yeah. NBA game itself. You didn't
0: know there was a pro league. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's probably a fan of the Jayhawks then.
1: Oh yeah, probably you know Jayhawks. I, mean? I let us know what uh what turned your... uh,
0: Thunder probably. Yeah, I was gonna Wouldn't guess maybe
1: Thunder. Um, maybe Mavs or something. Let me know. Uh, what uh some of your favorite players are and stuff hey Let's i was hoops.
0: a big early adopter uh, of the thunder i was a
1: huge fan as a kid big kd guy probably he is not a kd guy yeah he is an okc couldn't, couldn't imagine <laughs> not great
0: uh well
1: brian go celtics
0: didn't send
1: one he sent
0: two messages
1: also did want to give a shout rainbow kitten surprise very good band i like Oh, rainbow they kitten are surprise. a good band yeah. actually
0: yeah that that is a good shout out because we haven't actually like delved into them ever but i do enjoy them mm-hmm. Do they have a new album coming out or something? Or are Um, they just kind of OG? Here's an interesting... Here's their description on Spotify. Their genre-defying sound takes influence from artists like Modest Mouse and Kings of Leon as much as Frank Ocean and Schoolboy Q. Hmm. So I'm not saying that that
1: tracks... That's a very odd mix of. Uh, I don't hear a ton to of Schoolboy Q in, no. <laughs> in Rainbow Kids. <Kittens. laughs> no, but they do have like a very cool indie sound. Um, their last album came out in 2018. I need to listen okay. to more of them. So,
0: recent. Like. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, let's hear Brian's second message
2: to us Yo, it's Brian. Gotta complain again. Uh oh. So, the. The scene at the end of Endgame. Ha, ah, you know, homesick all weekend, got the flu, me and my girl are just rewatching movies. Nice. I forgot about the scene at the end when all the women heroes show up at once to <laughs> get the gauntlet, back to the van, to go back is, in time. I is think he I about really to just get it go but way off the handle. <laughs> it's so on the nose and kitschy and just it's just so dumb. You know? I don't know. I thought that in theaters too. I hate that scene. But it's the main complaint I have is Gwyneth Paltrow Queen Goop here she shows up in a blue (laughs) suit I guess that she knows how to fly perfectly now with Tony Stark in sync and all this crap but the thing is is she's not part of the snap so why does she show up then when she's with her daughter the whole movie before that
0: Mm. where does she come from Okay wow Coming in hot With the takes So the scene With the women
1: So by the way uh, Spoilers for Endgame Now I guess it made Two billion dollars And it's just uh, I mean that didn't That
0: hardly even Spoiled anything But that scene I have seen a lot of Women online who Felt very pandered to With that scene Yeah I will say though The whole end is Is pretty kitschy Uh, You know like That's kind of what You're getting The whole movie Yeah this is the end Of a giant saga It's gonna be pretty Cornball That entire I mean the whole Funeral sequence Where the camera is just like floating along to every single character's face. I didn't like that much either, honestly.
1: Guess what? I don't remember that scene because I was being blocked with my tears, okay? (laughs) Okay. Um, No, that scene is, we talked about it, uh, I think we talked about it at the time, about how that scene... Uh, how it's all the forced. women in the theater stood up and clapped because yes. they felt seen. Yeah, they didn't um, that. No, they yeah, didn't no, nobody, is, nobody has ever done that once. And we talked about that in like relation to other uses of women in superheroes about how you can do it so it doesn't feel pandering but when there's a saga where there's 20 plus movies and there's like one and a half women superheroes in it mm-hmm. um,
0: and all of these women characters don't really have any connection to each other well, other than they're yeah women. that's kind of the funniest part is if you combine the screen time of all of those women that c- came together you would end up equaling like iron man or, or right. just like one of the male heroes like yeah. it's very like hey here's a bone yeah. you know go catch it. it it's disingenuous um, I think, uh, this comes from the, uh, the mystery hot take that Danny, friend of the pod, dropped on the show a couple weeks ago. This is probably, uh, some simmering embers from that s- steamy hey, hot fire. These the, Here's, here's a question for you, Brian. It's Brian, right? Yeah.
1: Uh, from I,
0: Kansas. I want to hear your ranking of all of our guests. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. And then I want to hear a ranking of the podcast hosts. yeah yeah
0: no not not really the guests but it would be fun to hear like who your favorite is um because listen i have my answer uh,
1: who you want to have back on and who you're like "Ah, we don't need them anymore they can just go away (laughs) well
0: thank you so much brian for your thoughts and feedback and for listening to the show um he sent us a message through anchor so you can do the same thing uh, solid, solid quality, quality yeah. of the audio. Yeah, really easy, right on your phone, right through the app, uh, Anchor.fm slash We Bought a Mic. So yeah. let's get to catch up. Yeah, appreciate hearing from you, Brian. Really do. Um, so what do you what do you got, Ernie? I'll go first. I'll be brief. I rewatched First Man, the Damien Chazelle flick, this week. I just threw it on because it was leaving HBO, so it was like the last chance to see it. And this was my first. Uh, it was my second rewatch or my second watch through my, f- my first revisit uh, ever since I first saw it. And uh, I thought it really held up pr- really well on the rewatch. Um, you you know, knowing that through line of the, uh, the emotional uh, kind of link that uh, Neil Armstrong has to his daughter, that all is sound and, and effective and, those, all of those, like really tense cockpit sequences. There's that opening one, then there's the the middle one uh, where they're like spinning out, and then, um, you know, all all in between the 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 build up to those moments are really well done. And of course, the moon landing at the end is really effective. I don't think the movie's perfect. Uh, far from it, actually. I think that there's a lot of things about it that. Feel kind of clunky. Hunter's gonna absolutely lose it on you right now. <laughs> and I love Chazelle, and I'm actually really excited for his Netflix show that is coming out in May, mm-hmm. uh, really soon. What is coming it out for my?
1: It's a it's a birthday present for me. I talked to Damien. Oh, said it's he would on your it birthday. The, it's coming out relatively near my birthday. Yeah,
0: it's it's the 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 overlap uh, cross um, collaboration of a lifetime between Moonlight and La La Land where we got a jazz story oh. starring Andre Holland. Wow. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. look at Damien starting to yeah. starting to actually learn a
1: thing or two about jazz. <laughs> and its I mean, we'll see, we'll see, <laughs> we haven't seen it, but. He's gonna have to turn to his white best friend to teach him about this jazz music. <laughs> yeah, he's like, man,
0: I'm, I'm thinking about leaving jazz. Yeah, and then Skarsgård comes in and is like, listen man, you gotta play that <laughs>
1: piano. That's I can't tell if that was offensive or not. That wasn't even close to a scars guard, so I don't think I think you're safe. But.
0: I'm, I'm I'm doing a dumb <laughs> Italian, oh. and I'm allowed to because uh, I don't care. Um, okay, and you did see Green Book, so didn't see that. <laughs> I, I I have a couple. I have a couple more thoughts uh, before I, I let you go off. Get um,
1: fucking ready. I'm coming.
0: So I think that the movie like. There are some sequences in the home life that are really good and really well done and just feel like these little kind of beautiful portraits of of domestic life. Um, and I think that overall, the, the movie makes a really good depiction of like male emotional repression. Um, I think that all of that is effective, but I just... I keep thinking back to the idea that we had back when we first talked about this movie about how like this guy is just so stoic. Like you it's so difficult to connect to a character that just has very little in terms of emotion. And there is that one scene, fantastic scene, where Gosling breaks down in the beginning and you get that full on, like kind of emotional breakdown, but he does it closed off in the in the shame of his office with the windows and the drapes uh closed down and i i understand that that's the point of this character is to have this like mm-hmm. emotionless uh guy but from a movie watching perspective it is difficult to like connect Yeah with that's very like much that. it's i understand the point of it and i get why and it's done very well for what it is but that doesn't mean it's my favorite kind yeah. of thing. and there are moments where like Aside from that character piece, the structure of the movie is a little bit clunky, Um, especially I found like the moments where we're first like in the training phase before Gemini. Um, it's, It's not like drawn out and overlong, but it is a little bit sort of like... Uh this isn't really necessary to have these guys like sitting in class for like rocket physics like come on we don't we don't need that. Um I will say though Justin Hurwitz score it is one Killer. of the it's... best scores I have heard in a long time. This is what I wrote on my on my Letterboxd thoughts. It's mysterious, vibrant and understated. It's playful and ominous. It's dreary and propulsive. It's fucking beautiful. Like, I I just found it really, like, the probably the biggest thing I latched onto on a rewatch. And last thing, HBO, great job on keeping the wide aspect ratio Mm -hmm. on your presentation of the film. Because when we get to the moon, it opens up to full screen.
1: You had to keep that. And I'm glad they did. So I haven't had that problem ever. I've rewatched this movie. I think I've seen it three times now because I I got that crisp blue. Um, As you guys know, I am a Damien Chazelle head. I am a completionist of all of his works Um, except for uh, he did do some writing on... um, uh, uh, What's it called? The Last Exorcism Part 2 in 2013. Haven't seen that, but that's the only other thing of his that I have not seen. Um, I do think First Man is probably my least favorite project that he's worked on. Even... uh, Less than Guy and Madeline on a park bench and mm. uh, Grand Piano. Which I this do This guy think, is
0: a completionist. I,
1: I have. I've seen everything that he's grand done. Grand Piano
0: is the the Elijah
1: Wood Yeah, it's the Elijah right? Wood one. I love that movie. That movie is like super fun, extremely rewatchable movie about how there's a bomb in the piano. If you play the wrong note, then the bomb goes off. That's great. <laughs> it's an incredible, incredible premise for an idea. Um he didn't direct that, but he did write that. Um but I think that part of the problems with First Man is that he didn't write First Man. Hey, Joshy boy. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't mm, have a writing credit on He did. Um, he yeah. was very so, involved,
0: but you're right. He didn't write enough to get credit. It's my boy who I don't like very much, Josh Singer. Writer yes. of The Post, um, writer of Spotlight. Both, you know, serviceable to very good movies at points. Joshy... It, it's what I said on Letterboxd way back when I said, listen, bud, you can it's you're allowed to make people more interesting than they were in real life. It's a movie. Yeah, um, so <laughs> but I do think do
1: that. I think th- I do push back against that a little bit just because I think that this was like Neil Armstrong is the perfect example of an underwritten character. And for a movie like this, I could see why there's so many things that Chazelle wanted to go on to, especially with creating all of these high tension moments and writing about a very conflicted character who's very, like, very understated. I think that Ryan Gosling's performance is extremely underrated in this movie. Like, he is doing a lot with a little. I'm not knocking the performance. I'm knocking the, the
0: writing of the character. He's fantastic with what he's given.
1: I I think that this movie is going to keep aging better and like in 30 years when Chazelle has another 10 movies on his belt, I do think that people will look back on this movie in positive yeah. light cuz I think that there's so much about this movie that worked. I like One of the few bright moments from the Oscars last year was when first man won visual effects and I lost my goddamn mind because this movie it looks so fucking good, especially all the moon sequences and all the space stuff in general, how it is all visualized. It's all yeah, it's all incredible. uh, It's really tactile. It's
0: hyper real. Yeah. Yeah, And that's that's why I think it'll age better, is because I think the canon of hyper realistic filmmaking is going to grow in the next like like you said like thirty years. And probably because uh, you have a guy like Chazelle at the helm. It could have been a lot more paint by numbers biopic you know It could be one of those movies that people are like no one like why you know no one's talking about it and it's Gosling and Chazelle. I yeah. feel
1: like well I feel like Chazelle and a bit Barry Jenkins too have kind of uh, they're kind of becoming a little bit underrated because they made hits. Uh, both of them in 2016, both of them made movies in 2018 that weren't as well-regarded, even if I really love if BL Street could talk as well. Yeah, as but band. they kind of got supplanted
0: but, in the conversation by like, by like Gerwig and Peele and the new Gerwig Peele, you know, and safties. even like now
1: when, P- yeah, when people talk about like the kings of tension, people go straight to the safties. When Chazelle has all, like the underline, one of the through lines in all of his movies are tension, and none of his movies are really... Super focused on character studies. I think the closest that he comes is um, La La Land, which I mean I love that movie, but even that is not like that's not like a character piece. Yeah, uh, you know
0: you know what Singer's next thing is that he wrote is the upcoming Leonard Bernstein biopic starring uh, Bradley Cooper, directed by Bradley Cooper and co-written by Bradley huh. Cooper.
1: I uh, I will say. And co-starring Carey Mulligan. One more okay. thing. One more thing about Chazelle is that he isn't writing on the Eddie okay he's just directing a couple episodes um so we'll see what happens with that but want to give a shout out to my boy for writing uh the first three quarters of 10 cloverfield lane which is a masterpiece and then it becomes a cloverfield movie Mm -hmm. which he clearly did not write that part (laughs) famously back when it was called
0: the cellar yeah and then they backdoored it into the cloverfield cinematic universe there is something on uh chazelle's uh docket called babylon Mm -hmm.
2: 2021 Um, release
0: maybe because there's no other
1: uh information on it it's been slated at 2021 for a while now but you are right i mean i'm guessing if it's still if they're playing like a november release for it in 2021 there's plenty of time that people wouldn't necessarily all be attached to it yet
0: all right so i got one more thing to to drop on you boys i watched briar patch Created by Andy Shout Greenwald. Shout out to Andy Greenwald. Um, watch the pilot. I did start the second episode, but I just watched like the first couple minutes and, and didn't have time to, to watch the whole thing. So really just the pilot here. Um, Andy, I know you're listening. Uh, big fan. Love mm-hmm. the watch. Send a voicemail, would you? <laughs> Anchor.fm. Come on the pod, Andy Greenwald. Push your uh, product. I wouldn't say this if I didn't love you. Uh, oh. <laughs> a lot of room, Yikes. lot of room to grow with this one. <laughs> a lot of room to grow. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's. So he's not coming on the podcast now. Then after that, I mean, I I can't just come out of the gate and say that this is a perfect episode of television because it's not. There's a lot to love here. Uh, Rosario is incredible. Uh, I think the ambiance of it is really cool. The mood of it, it feels very heightened um very stylized without feeling like it's you know indulgent or anything like that um but it did it is a lot of like dialogue you know there's not a lot of of propulsive like plot or or anything this like this is that. what happens when podcasters write tv <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of talking and so much of the dialogue just feels very written it is very like actors reading lines to each other. And so there is... I mean, we can all agree that there is a good version of that. Are you saying that this is not the best version of that? So there are scenes that work where the, the ambiance and the mood and the performances and all of this uh, come together to put something that is very unique and very different and it does feel like this sort of theatrical thing that you're seeing there's one moment in particular where the camera like swoops into a close-up of rosario dawson mm-hmm. and the lighting completely changes in the set dressing behind her and it's like this moment of um uh, i guess zeroing in into her psyche that is communicated beautifully through the filmmaking um so there there are great moments of the show being like you know kind of more more heightened but with a lot of the dialogue sequences I just felt like it was it was a little a little amateurish Jesus god coming out with the knives but I am hopeful that it's just because it's the pilot and it's like you know a guy who has never made a show before coming in green with you know a lot of green in his in his in his 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 <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> that, that's how you know it's good. If, if two of hanging people, fruit. yeah, <laughs> two people
1: figure it out immediately. Um, okay, so I will push back a little bit. I will say that the show does get better. Um, I'm, I'm sure, for I'm sure it
0: does because the the table setting is there, and I think pilots cl- yeah. can suck. Yeah, exactly, the, the clunkiness comes from the fact that there was a lot to set up with mm-hmm. this, and I will say, like, given the fact that Andy has his podcast to watch, like going back after after watching the episode and listening to his conversation uh, on the show on the podcast about the show um, and kind of recapping and and hearing firsthand like what it was like to make it and what was going through his head there is so much more to appreciate with that added perspective. You know, if I were just to watch the show on its own, I'd be like, eh, I don't know about this. But because there is that added level of meta ness, like relationship with Greenwald, I am so much more appreciative of what he's doing. And I know that if I keep watching, I'm probably going to end up loving it.
1: So I think that one thing about the show, whenever I was watching the pilot, that you touched on, uh, that was something that I knew would make me want to keep coming back to it, is that the show did get its tone right right away. It established what the mood of the show is. And I think that that is one of the most difficult things to do in a show. And if a show can do that in the first episode, then I'm willing to stick around and see where it goes from there. Because a lot of times, shows will take four five episodes for you to actually figure out what kind of a show it is that you're watching and i think that they do get right for some of the dialogue being clunky or just being exposition being dumped on you for 45 minutes i think that if you can at least establish the tone right in your pilot then that sets you up well for the season going forward. exactly and the the fact that there, there's a lot of things that this show has
0: going for it. And and one of them is the fact that this is sort of like a murder mystery type deal. And we have all these eclectic characters in this weird town that our main character is is interacting with. Like that's already a great premise to explore. And of course Rosario is great. But the bulk of that pilot episode, it felt like Rosario was just this
1: like... Bounce board for yeah, the other, for other people to bounce off. I, I agree with that completely. It kind of reminded me this episode, and they are very different shows tonally. But of every, think about the first episode of every season of Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. And the first episode of that show, which we all love, Halt and Catch Fire, we are stands of that show. Uh, but the first episode of the season is always kind of. Rough because it's a lot of table setting. It's all about establishing who are these characters, where are they now, what's going on in this world, what time period are we in, is this even a real place that we're yeah. in? And I think that Breyer Patch was kind of doing the same thing. And I, after seeing uh, up through episode three and Alan Cumming coming involved, oh, which and and Kim he Dickens king, and Kim Dickens yeah. getting in there as uh, one of the other sheriffs, yeah. um, I think that that's it's starting to really come together.
0: So. The best part of the pilot, I think, is a scene right at the end where we finally see Rosario. Um, what's her character's name? Dill.
1: Yeah, Dill.
0: Um, Don't know ca- about that. <laughs> well, that's not. It. That's
1: everybody calls her Dill.
0: Yeah, like Dill, um, Dill Pickles. Yeah. Um, right. Kind of, kind of breakdown. She, she mm. has this really incredible scene that she gets to flex her her acting chops, and that is the moment that sold me. Like I was like, okay, up until this point we've had sort of this uh kind of stoic character um in the the core of this story, but then she has this scene and Greenwald reinforced it with some of the things he said in that podcast where he was saying that the the archetype of the noir um, protagonist the mm. stone cold detective is a sort of shell for this character yeah it, it is a a protective covering for her and he wants to strip her of that through the course of this show mm. so i i found that really compelling and that final uh scene in the hospital i thought was brilliantly shot with a split diopter close-up of of the camera right up in her face And she just goes in Mm -hmm. with a full on breakdown, and you can see like that. This very stoic, hardcore, no nonsense sort of person does have an emotional core, given the tragedy that she is experiencing. Um, So I am in. I am in on the show. Also, want to give a shout out. Complaints. He
1: doesn't have as much to do in the first episode, but Jay Ferguson as jake spivey is a fucking king and i love vaping. that dude he is man <laughs> this, you know, they're just in there having like a little interview and he just busts out his vape and just starts vaping like me in a recording of the podcast i exactly. was i was into it all right
0: so that's what i got drew why don't you uh go off well i have an interesting life development um that i think everyone will be pretty interested in i've actually recently decided to start watching movies uh in my free time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh,
1: hallmarks, TLC classics. No, see, um, this
0: is where it's it might be different than what you think. I actually have decided to start watching good movies. Oh shit. What? Yeah. This not, is a this not, is a huge development. Yeah, not Merry Christmas, not Netflix's the circle, none of that. I am still watching those a lot. But <laughs> We're gonna supplemented, have
1: to talk about Love
0: is blind for a good two hours I'm they? not gonna I watched the pilot and I was like absolutely not with that fucking show. Uh so being the massive massive fan of the lighthouse that I am. I had to go back uh and watch The Vavitch. Yes. The Vavitch. Um a uh, Robert Eggers uh debut like m- like commercial release feature. He had made things before that, but this was the first theatrical release, am I right with that? Uh I don't think he had made really anything. He probably made some shorts. He had made shorts and I think maybe even a Docker or something like that, but uh The Vavitch is amazing. It's really unique and creative are you saying you don't like it (laughs) no okay because it's (laughs) no i i am saying it is like one of the most uh kind of visionary things i've seen in my life it's yes it's really stunning so so period specific uh you know all the dialogue eggers is just an absolute fucking dork yeah like he genuinely like just reads like history books like he is he is Compulsively obsessed with the past with like colonial times colonial America uh, And maybe you know verging up to England. He's making Nosferatu.
1: Yeah uh, Rumored rumored. No, he's making it's, it it's on it. I it's, mean Anya Taylor joy is attached to it.
0: Yeah, he it's happening Well, he's also Reunion. he's also in talks to do like a Viking
1: movie. Yeah, the Northman is another yeah. one but
0: yeah,
1: I so the Vavitch, uh
0: Anya Taylor joy it's been known, like I've, you know, I've seen her in enough other things to know that she's, you know, she's a given. She's a star. She's really, really good. Um, a lot of w- the work is done by her, just unbelievably open face and like gigantic eyes, like j- literal doe eyes. Yeah. Um, but she's extremely good as the center of this movie, as the much maligned protagonist who just can't catch a break, can she? <laughs> until she
1: does well <laughs> <laughs> until she decides to live deliciously yeah exactly so you uh you said you told us off mic that you watched the witch um excuse me the Vava itch um mm-hmm. and it reminded me because i had just seen the invisible man or you said that and both movies do a lot at creating tension with negative space in mm-hmm. the frame like i'm just of showing nothing and just having like a score just kind of like create the feeling inside of you of
0: dread incredible score here so it's not anything that is like it's we're not talking like one oh tricks point never or sometimes for that matter uh like it's not like changing the game of how scores are done but the dissonance of the string section whenever it comes in is just pretty unreal yeah
1: i mean well it's It's about it's mark corvin who's the same guy who did the lighthouse which very different because this is like very loud where the the lighthouse is more sound than it is score yeah the
0: score of the lighthouse is all the noises really um and this was a lot of silence so like there's enough room for score to fill in those there's a there's a choir too. Mm -hmm. it's just an unbelievably dour movie and i wrote a while back i think we were talking about pet cemetery and i think i put this in my letterbox thing about that movie If you are going to make a movie that fucking dour, it has to be very good. Like, because if not, it's just going to be a vacuum that sucks two hours of your life up. That's how I felt about Pet Cemetery personally. Uh, And this is obviously a fucking Eggers movie. It's just immaculately shot. It's horrifying beyond belief. Uh, I mean the the possession (laughs) sequence is one of the best scenes I've ever seen that yeah that was one of the things I wrote down immediately is like I know Anya Taylor-Joy is great but this kid Caleb Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that kid was actually possessed. And it wasn't I don't know how uh, Eggers did it, but the <laughs> motherfucker got possessed. It also it wasn't just the possession scene. That kid was really killing it. Yeah. He did an awesome I was
1: bummed he out hasn't really, her, her happened. <laughs> he hasn't yeah. really done anything since then of note. Like uh, Harvey Scrimshaw is his name. Wow. Great name. Harvey Scrimshaw. I'm you, Are you Eggers telling,
0: traveled back in yeah. time? <laughs> is that not like a 70-year-old hard boiled detective well i mean harvey scrimshaw
1: ralph innocent who plays the dad he just looks like he's the only person who looks like he was around at the time you were talking about how like people didn't look Yeah, no one. No
0: one looked as good as Anya Taylor Joy did back then. Everyone was butt ugly, and that's fine because that's a movie. (laughs) Did you make some unholy bond with that goat, Ralph? First of all, no one has had a voice like that since the 1600s. That man has. I like. I would trade. Was he the reason why you had to put subtitles on while watching this movie? Was (laughs) he the sole reason? You gotta gotta watch. I cannot because the lighthouse is rough. I, there's a, a good amount less dialogue in the lighthouse, oh, yeah. and also it's a little more intelligible, I think, and mm-hmm. also it's less important, yeah, um, because the lighthouse is a mood and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I could not fathom watching this in a theater with no subtitles. I could fathom watching it in a theater because yeah. that would be unbelievable, like that experience. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't get the Man, details of what they're I, saying. I had, yeah, it was genuinely a foreign film. Yeah, like I could not discern what they, <laughs> except but for he, except for Anya Taylor Joy. That's Edgar shit. Yeah. Is writing that yeah. period accurate well, dialogue. I really like what he's doing because so many, I would say 90% of period pieces. Um, like we talked about with the favorite, I like the favorite because it doesn't even try to go period specific with dialogue, mm-hmm. and that's a great move. But the other great move is to go way far into period specific. If you go halfway, fuck you. No, make yeah, a choice. Mm, you yeah. know this is a choice. He was like, no, I'm going to read like dictionaries from the 1500s right. and just write a script based and on those sometimes four you fucking have, words. Sometimes you have an actor who's like not cutting it, and like they're they're like just doing a straight up modern accent. With just a tiny little bit of modification. But in this, he managed to get every performer on the same page. The Mm. kids. These small little
1: children are speaking in ways that I couldn't... A witch.
0: (laughs) She's a witch.
1: Did Uh. you like that you actually saw the witch? Um,
0: Did that bother
1: you at all? I would almost... You could almost
0: not... uh, You could almost not read that as being the witch. That like who Caleb Mm. ran into. It was one. It was like one shot. It
1: it was well. I well no because I'm asking that because I know a lot of people like hated that, but it didn't bother me because it's one thing. Well, also
0: I didn't read it as being the witch. I read it as him coming face to face with his sins manifested. Yeah, like she was. She was everything that he wanted. It's like a little boy about to hit puberty. Yeah, a little boy who wants to fuck his sister because he doesn't know a (laughs) single other
1: girl in the world. Um, (laughs) Yeah. This movie is equally as horny as The Lighthouse. It is a horny movie. I'm (laughs) not going to lie. Harvard Eggers, horny guy. Yeah, but
0: in these (laughs) days. Hort, being horny Bobby. got you killed yeah. Yeah. you were not allowed to you be horny yeah exactly I, so you I mean that was you know the read is the main read is probably that it was one of the many witches that we mm. finally spoiler that we do encounter at the end um, but
1: you could just read it as it, him, the movie is called the witch there's a fucking witch in it like it's yeah, not, that's not a spoiler you <laughs> could
0: just read it as him encountering a physical manifestation like almost like black Philip has you know morphed into this being that is everything Caleb wants so yeah. he could suck the soul out of him. Caleb.
1: I will say... Um, we
0: stand Black Phillip.
1: Yeah, Black Phillip, uh, he's the mascot of the podcast. Is that right
0: uh, um, is that Ralph Innocent's voice? Because it's just as creamy and smooth at the end it? there. Which would, you would you
1: like to I oh. I don't know. Um, I could that, see th- I could oh. see it just being Bobby Eggers' voice. Bobby's just like, let me turn my voice down a little bit. Let's put it in a modulation Bobby machine. Bob Eggers 80-yard all of Ralph Innocent's lines. <laughs> We're on a first name basis. We just call him Bob here at the pod. Um, yeah, Bob, 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 Bob the Eggman? I will say, I know... Uh, Bobby has said some uh, he said a little bit of criticism about this movie whenever it came out he referred to it as a uh, as a, um, a student film Whenever he made it He he, hates it Yeah Yeah. he like hates it But I He he also had a lot of trouble
0: With A24 apparently Yeah Like because the movie was The the movie was endorsed By the Satanist church Yeah Yeah And he was like Well A24 made that happen Like as As marketing Yeah Yeah. And he was like That's not what it's about And now (laughs) there's like Like he was scouting locations In Poland for the lighthouse and they were like, they were, "You're not allowed here because yeah. you were endorsed um, by the yeah, same." Yeah, well, it's, fa-
1: it's fascinating that it happens. But this movie is like a tonal masterpiece. Yeah, like this co- is my favorite film. type of for- of horror.
0: It's like when my mom is like an incredible cook, but every Thanksgiving she makes this big show of like, "Oh, it's I'm sorry, I overcooked everything," and everyone's like, "Beth, it's great." It's that's what he's doing. He's like, "Oh, it's it's shit." It's like, "Fuck," you know, you're making yourself seem more annoying because yeah. we all know how fucking good it is, Robert. Uh,
1: Bob Eggers is still like a top of my list so for be- dudes that i just want to have a fucking beer with that dude i just want to like uh, talk like turn of the century uh lighthouse workers with bob eggers for hours yeah
0: yeah maybe he, he does most of the talking there <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> a fucking i know nerd. i can
1: just like pull up wikipedia and just
0: read paragraphs he is, he is just an absolute dork and uh it's a it's an incredible movie i still i agree with him that it has a lot more uh standardness than the lighthouse of course and i do like the lighthouse more because of that um, like this movie, for example, could have. I think it actually may have been a little better if it were in black and white because it's very close already. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the color palette is super muted and dark. But then you get that red, yeah, of the witch's
1: coat. I mean, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And well, I w- that's I think what he means. Like certain things like that are where he's like student film yeah. part of it. Where even th- it looks incredible yeah. in the movie, but, but nevertheless,
0: the witch is incredible. It's it's horrendous. And like I was telling you guys off pod, it really I think Eggers is truly fixated on how awful life was yeah. like hundreds of years ago it just life just truly sucked and his movies are half of
1: the time you're just watching people do shit and you're like oh that would suck it's another reason <laughs> that what would really him suck. and Ari Aster are like spiritual partners is because Ari Aster is about how life is still bad now
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, the, the guy that is credited with the voice for Black Phillip is named Daniel Malik. man that guy's got a fucking uh, voice he looks like a
1: hunk is he like Terrence Malik's like forgotten brother or something Like what no is?
0: it's spelled differently Deliciously, he's also credited with uh, appearances in *The Expanse* and *The Handmaid's Tale*. (laughs) So, well, good good for for him. We stand our Queen Elizabeth Moss. If we're talking heat check. That guy came in and hit a buzzer beater. Well, that <laughs> no minutes he comes in he hits the buzzer. Yeah. beater. That
1: scene is just the like, Alex Caruso of
0: <laughs> the witch.
1: That scene he's is like the
0: bu- he's like uh, Fisher, Derek yeah. Fisher. It's the ultimate like what the fuck jaw Big drop. Big shot moment rob of in a movie full of them. Yeah, that that moment in particular, you're just like it's happened. This it, is happening. It reminded me at the end of Phantom Thread where you're just like yes, <laughs> 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 yes, finally. <laughs> I wanted this. And it's so tastefully it, done, because you don't even see his face. So tastefully
2: It's the kind done. of payoff,
1: it's the payoff, like the dark payoff that you've been waiting for. Yeah. That it's like you're rooting for the um, bad thing to happen. So in anyway,
0: in a very similar vein, I watched Source Code again. I was, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, great I'm not going to- Great transition. You cannot make me only watch good movies. I just won't do it. Source Code is a movie, it's a Jake G movie. It's um, What's the name of the director? He did Moon. Duncan, and, and Duncan Jones. And this was sort of a blank check movie Bowie's for him. Son. Uh, yes, David Bowie's fucking son. Isn't that nuts? Um, equal amounts of, of innovation. <laughs> is this his blank check? This is one of them. Because he also did Warcraft. Well, no, it's not so much a blank well, check no, as Warcraft, it is...
1: Warcraft was him like, oh shit, I've spent all my money. I need to make <laughs> another check. So he made Warcraft. Okay. So, yeah.
0: So Source Code uh came and went. uh It did well. Like It, it, it did actually it's very well. It's a well-reviewed
1: well. movie. I don't remember this movie it's, being bad.
0: It's well-reviewed. It did very well. I watched it with my family. My family used to just watch like whatever was on demand. Yeah. We didn't, never went to the movies. Well, this is a perfect, like, just put-on This movie. is an on-demand movie. Yeah. yeah. It's Jakey G. It's Groundhog Day, but... Uh, it's Michelle Monaghan. It, Michelle- yeah. Jeffrey Wright. Man. Oh, so. Vera Farmiga. So this movie is a lot worse than I remember it being. Oh, no. It actually... Like, I remember having a blast with it. Sort of, like, Limitless style. Like, I know it's dumb, but it's still really fun. Yeah. This movie is fun, and it's, like, you know, it's short. It gets you in and gets you out. There's a lot going on, but it's a lot worse than I remember um it's Yikes. it's like it's the rare like watchable five out of ten like because it's mm. not every every character is very poorly written to be I honest am. michelle monaghan i feel really bad for her i'm not i haven't seen enough of her catalog to know if she has more in her yeah. mission but impossible. mission impossible like movie is being <laughs> any and i mean it's not like she's doing a ton in those either but she's doing more than she does in this fucking movie she is so so the plot of the movie is so I'm just gonna spoil the whole thing because it's hilarious. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is a soldier who his, oh, his wow. he's in like this very strange cold pod. He doesn't even really know where he is, <laughs> and he, and he all he has is a video feed that sends. Uh, he he's video chatting with Vera Farmiga and Jeffrey Wright, uh, and they are both like military tech soldiers. So this style is people. the very beginning of the movie. Um, pretty much. So you're 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 fired up, ready to watch Source because you're like excited. You're like, yeah, let's put this on. And then like five minutes in, you're like, shit. I think. Well, I if I may be wrong, I'm already forgetting it because <laughs> I just can't. Not I a great sign. Really couldn't believe how much worse it was than I thought it would be. Um, because I love a seven. I yeah. wish it was a seven. Right. But they are. He's video chatting with them, and they are. His duty is essentially to using quantum technology, which is so brushed over that you wouldn't believe it. uh, He is inhabiting the last eight minutes of this man who died in a giant train bombings life. So they were able to recover. This man's brain and like make like a neural network thing where they're able to hook up Jake Gyllenhaal super soldier into the brain of this other man who died. So whenever he is living these eight minutes on this train, we're seeing Jake Gyllenhaal. But really, it's like a worse looking dude, like a pretty normal guy who's a teacher. And he's going to work on a train with Michelle Monaghan in Chicago. Um, So over the course of the movie, Jake slowly... While, like, dying over and over and, like, slowly going insane, he is also falling for Michelle Monaghan, <laughs> who yeah. is... he? Jake is... Eight minutes at a time. Jake is obviously being super weird because he's trying to solve a bombing, right? So he is, he's, like, wide-eyed, like, looking around at everybody. <laughs> like, multiple times he makes some really racist calls with, like, who oh did the bombing. Boy. He'll, he goes up to Russell Peters. He's like... 2011
1: Shh. was yeah. a different time. <laughs> he's just, like, he's
0: immediately just shaking down all the brown people. Like, tell me what you know! And... Uh, she's just like, what's gotten into you today? <laughs> it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like, who are you? And, and he, he keeps on getting philosophical too because he likes her. So he's like, if you had only 30 seconds to live, what would you do with it? And she's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe call my mom. He's like, oh, my dad. No. And it's all it's all about his dad. So this is where the spoilers come in. Come to find out, he's actually uh, dead. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal He's not dead but he's on life support. He's lost like all of his lower half basically. He's on life support uh, and they've, you know, through this quantum technology blah all blah. All blah. the other shots were like close-ups without showing the no. lower half. No, well, no, he's just he's in a pod that Jeffrey White Jeffrey Wright quickly uh
1: explains No, nah, that's actually just a manifestation of your mind trying to make sense of all this. <laughs> And, is this? Do you think that the creators of Westworld like saw Jeffrey Wright in this movie, and they're like, he's yes. our guy to be explaining he, bot in
0: Westworld. He's really bad in this movie. Like, uh, I yikes. really like him, and I love him in Westworld, and he's awful. And his character is awful too. His character is just this transparently evil man who all he cares about. He just keeps going on like, to Vera Farmiga, who's like the soldier that also has some heart, so she mm-hmm. feels bad for Jake. Uh, and sh- you know, he's slowly figuring out he's dead, and she's like. Soldier, that's not important right now. It's about your mission. He's like, Bitch, am I dead? (laughs) Like and then he finally convinces her to tell him, he goes, Officer, soldier to soldier, am I dead? (laughs) And she's like, fuck, he pulled a soldier card. And so they form a bond. He ends up like in love with Michelle Monaghan. And he is, Jake Joan Hall is so convinced because he figures out who the bomber is, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But she still sees the other guy. She doesn't see anyone. She is getting text on a computer. Vera Farmiga. We find out that way late in the movie. They can't see Jake because he is not real. He's dying. But, who, but Michelle Monaghan sees oh, she, the other man. She, yeah, she is still seeing the other guy. She's not like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. No, she's still seeing the guy. It's just we don't want to look at that ugly. We want to look at Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal. Um, and yeah, my girlfriend Allison was like, man, that poor girl doesn't even know she's kissing Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks it's some ugly teacher. <laughs> um, so he figures out who it is. It doesn't matter. It's it's all like, you know, it's fun enough. And then he he keeps on telling her. He's like, Officer, you're wrong about this quantum technology. I know that if I can save every person on that train, just give me one more chance, it'll be real. It'll really happen. And so he goes in for one last time. He's in a great fucking mood, even though he has to save the world. And it's this eight minutes where he like, he's, he's like making out with Michelle Monaghan. so stoked. <laughs> he stops the bombing. He, he sends an email to Vera Farmiga's character with someone else's phone. And so once it all ends, he saves everyone, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she she wakes up it because to her she wakes up she gets the email, oh. and it's actually the day that the bombing happened and it's happening
1: again because he saved the world oh, through nice, quantum technology. Dude, I is it, is I, it, I will <laughs> say if I can give a little bit of defense to our boy Duncan here, uh, he didn't write source code. I know he just shouldn't have, he should have rewrote it it's, he should have came in yeah, there. Yeah, the guy who's he,
0: credited, uh, he has made nothing good. <laughs> It's just... Sorry, guy. Sorry,
1: Ben Ripley. It's uh, just a lot of corn. And he made, he made 2017's Flatliners. Yeah. So
0: he saves the world. And then, like, obviously, he's expecting the explosion to happen on the train, but then it doesn't. And, he's, and then he gets to, like, just have a day with Michelle Monaghan because he actually did save the world. And time goes on. They go... They're both teachers because he has to be a teacher now. <laughs> he's
1: living. This he's other never. Man's he's life. never and, went to teaching school or anything. And so like
0: that. the the big question is, what happened to the other man? Yeah, that yeah. man's soul is gone. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is just body <laughs> snatching Christ. him in the like. He's just like, yeah, I guess I'll figure out how to be a teacher I, now.
1: This is all sounding like it is a prequel to Enemy.
0: Yes. This is how the movie
1: <laughs> enemy begins. Yeah. It's so nice. he oh, takes shit. over a teacher's body. So it ends oh, on life. So, it
0: ends on that insanely way too happy note where he's just like, you know what? Uh, to Michelle, he's like, "Let's let's call in sick today. I think they'll find someone else to teach all those kids." Oof. And then they go like everyone in Chicago does, and they go visit the bean. Oh
1: <laughs> man, you know and, what locals do? And
0: there have been these trippy visuals of the whole movie when he's like going into the you know the, yeah, the quantum the mode, vortex. and it looks a little like the bean. And like sometimes there are shots of the bean like spliced in there, and he he's looking at the bean. He's like, "You ever believe in fate or some shit? You know, like some bullshit like that." It was.
1: I was really disappointed I will say, So this made me laugh um, a little bit. There's a person, there's an, a character in this movie called Minister Sudoku. Yes, because he's doing a Sudoku <laughs> on a newspaper. Oh, <laughs> nice. Minister- That's all we know about him.
0: Minister Russell Sudoku. Peters is like this dour comedian in it, who is a very famous comedian in real life, like internationally one of the most famous in the world. He's playing this guy who's just like a dick. And we barely even talked to him, but that, at the end of the movie, he's like, He's talking to Jake. He's like, listen, man, just mind your own business. You know, we can be in a bad mood. And Jake's like, you know what? You're a comic, right? And he's like, yeah. How'd you know that? He's like, I bet you you can make everyone on this train laugh in 30 seconds. And he's like, "No, nah, I'm not going to do that." And Jake's like, "I'll give you $100." He's like, "All right, I'll do it." And he does basically like Russell Peters' stand-up routine <laughs> for like 30 <laughs> seconds. It's awful. And uh How did that happen? How and, did that get into this and th- movie? And so like when the explosion is about to happen, we just see a montage of everyone on the train just cracking up because some As guy they die? some guy No, cuz they don't die. Remember the train oh, just keeps oh, going? Okay, okay. It's it's nonsense. So I watched Zodiac. <laughs> Speaking of uh, just no, I'm kidding. Zodiac (laughs) is an awesome movie. Um, It's this is another master. Well, I mean it's another rewatch. I've seen this a couple times. Watch it third time. Not a ton news to say. Fincher is a master. This this movie is a master of restraint. There's so much restraint that I almost wanted a little more. Of what is great. It's so long, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's not even boring. It's just there yeah. could have been a couple more punchy it covers, scenes. It covers such a long period yeah. of time, and it does. The script is very good at doing that. Yeah, because it's it doesn't. Sometimes with the Irishman, it got a little nonsensical. Where I was like, "Wait, what's going on right now?" Yeah. With this movie, you're never wondering. Like it's going around so many characters mm-hmm. brilliantly. Fincher is a god. I'll He's tell you such why. Such a fucking they, perfectionist. Well. There, that is evident in every shot of yeah. the movie. There are so many uh, scenes, like the scenes where the murders happen. There's no tension because he's not creating tension in those scenes. By far, the scariest scenes in the movie are whenever Jake Gyllenhaal picks up the yeah. phone at home, yeah. or when it's, he goes to that guy's house. When he goes to the house, and, and that—I mean, that oh is, oh my god, yeah, that's horror movie. And that guy just turned out to be some weirdo. <laughs> but. Um, any scene where he's, even if it's just like a call from someone actually trying to help yeah. him, whenever he picks up that phone, the camera is dialed the fuck in. It's like, all right, yeah. let's go fucking horror mode right now. Yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible movie. Um, um Mark Ruff, he's really Marky Mark. This is top It's one of my favorite two. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite Ruffalo performances. Um Anthony Edwards, yeah, mm. Goose. Is killer bad
1: wig, but everything else about Goose uh, slays in this. Movie. I mean, everybody in this cast is like giving like top tier performances that they've ever. I made. mean, is Jake Gyllenhaal a better written character in this movie or in Source Code? Mm. In in Source Code, does he make out with Michelle Monaghan? In, oh in yeah, Zodiac? you gotta
0: judge it by. No, that. Yeah. he mostly just <laughs> bickers with uh, what's her name. The uh, uh, z- oh, fuck. Now I feel like an idiot. She was the it girl. Of of the '90s and Zodiac, uh, the, his wife in Zodiac, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney, no, <laughs> Chloe Sevigny. Oh yeah, Chloe, Chloe Sevigny. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's it's an awesome movie. Obviously, you got to watch R-T-J, it. And then living on a boat. Well, so the, oh well, we got to talk about that because this is pre Iron Man. Uh, One year before He had been in a couple things Like after his comeback That were like semi big But for a lot of people This was their like RDJ is back Like he's big In this movie Like he's doing It's not his movie But he has enough to do He's owning his scenes Yeah Last half of the movie He disappears Yeah But my god he's good He's uh, He's basically Tony Stark I think we should do A Fincher ep This summer Leading up to Mank
1: Oh I'd love to do that I don't know when
0: Mank is I don't think Mank has a date Mank will probably end up coming out maybe in the fall for awards um, so it might be a while before we get um, around to that but yeah you
1: yeah, are right guess. that this might be that because I mean uh, right after this is Tropic Thunder, and at that point, like he is fully back. That people are like happy days around. Yeah, and then, he did what? Like, do you guys remember kiss, the soloist? I'm the
0: dude dressed as another dude, Whoa. disguised. Man, as talk
1: about a movie, dude. a great movie that would never fucking get greenlit in 2020. Like, there's Full no blackface. way that that um, movie happens. But it's done in like a way that's a joke, so it's not offensive. Yeah. Now looking back at well, it. Well, but...
0: speaking of that, though i watched fight club for the first time ever oh wow had not seen it this movie is like a roller coaster it, of takes it's one of those movies that the it got spoiled for me on reddit when i was like 15 yeah, of course like, like 10 years ago yeah. it got spoiled and so i spitefully didn't watch it so stupid i didn't realize it was a fincher movie back then because i didn't know who he was when i was 15 well this is like his coming out party pretty mm-hmm. much it's his coming out party it's also just a dip diff- it's like a different dude <laughs> like directing this movie gone girl from yeah Yeah. from his restrained years he is balls out directing in this movie there are so many shots that maybe the technology wasn't even quite there yet but i'm sure when this came out in 99 it looked unbelievable to people where the camera is just omnisciently going through a bag of trash and shit like he does that in like every movie so so many just like ape shit shots in this it kind of made me wish that he would just like have fun again yeah, you know, because he's having a lot of fun making this movie. Um, I don't know. I think social networks pretty fun. The the movie. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's mm. the same with Gone Girl has a lot of fun in it. But just what if he just went balls yeah. out again? But going like Zodiac to to, to Benjamin, Fight Club. Yeah, it's like Fight Whoa. Club is insane. Well, I mean,
1: even he went from Zodiac to Benjamin Button a year later, which oh uh, is if not the worst Fincher movie, it's, it's bottom two or three movies that he's one. made it's and i think the benjamin button is a solid movie it's just kind of boring and it doesn't have any of the fincher flair to it that mm. is like so good about fincher movies is everything feels that so was just him trying and, to get an oscar yeah
0: so as far as the the source material obviously the chuck palanyuk paladik paladik uh book fight club uh like all of other chucks books i've read a couple of his but not fight club ever you know it deals in that world of repressed masculinity Mm -hmm. and i think it is making fun of that notion to say that it's pro doing anything that they do in this movie is nuts that's the take of of this movie that's what's defined it its entire lifetime Mm -hmm. is that
1: people think toxically masculine
0: people think that this movie celebrates like awful people and that it's like uplifting this lifestyle of like being hyper masculine and it's that's not what it is no there are two more more correct takes the first one is that it's gay this movie this movie's very gay okay like insanely homoerotic throughout there when it's just brad and, and edward living together in that disgusting house yeah uh there's literally a line that's like about how like a Gen X men are like super repressed because that's what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a line where it's like, you know, kind of makes you think that women aren't the answer we're looking for. And that <laughs> line goes right over a shot of like Brad walks in while Edwards eating cereal and they exchange a look of like, hey, Hey man, like if, I don't know if Chuck knew that this was gay, but Fincher knew that this was yeah. gay. And like, also, this was about partially I, about homoeroticism. I think repressed the homosexuality. the The Helena Bonham character, too, is like kind of. Maybe the key to that—the way she reacts to this dual personality that's going on—and like yeah. not understand, not understanding like what's going on in this guy's head, and maybe thinking like, "There's something you're not telling me. There's something that's going on with yeah, you." Yeah, those. I mean, those were the clues that I th- I want to think I would have picked yeah. up on, even if I didn't know the twist. Is the way she's like when the first night she spends at the house and she's fucking Tyler Durden all night and then she comes downstairs and it's it's uh, Ed, the narrator has yeah. no name it's Edward and he's like what the fuck are you doing here and she, the way she reacts is like very hurt right it's not like oh i'm here because i was fucking tyler yeah. you know like i feel like i would have picked up on that so, i'm a smart guy
1: i will say you said about the homoeroticism of the movie chuck Palahniuk is uh, gay Oh. oh, so there you go. So, this, is uh, a, this is according a, to Wikipedia. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to address this man's there, sexuality uh, full on, but there. there is something there, and um, no, it's and very... he's also come out like super against it because this movie kind of like inspired incels. Well, like This is kind of like the birth of that Is people that read so this movie the wrong yeah, way Well there's the toxic
0: masculinity thing That you could like cancel it for This movie would not have been greenlit in 2001 because of fucking 9-11 This is a movie about yeah. doing Terrorism in New York yeah. They're in New York right uh, Where are pretty they? Pretty much, they're in a giant. I don't think they say. Yeah, they're in a big city. It's not. I. I doubt it's New York City. But the. I mean, how it ends? It ends, which is, there are two twin towers that yeah. fall. And then unreal. It's it's about doing terrorism because you're repressed. This would not. This would have been banned in theaters. It it was. Yeah, I mean, people. Yeah. So to talk very about viscerally. To talk about cancel culture now. Uh, like Yabba still did a great episode about all the songs that were banned by Clear Channel Radio mm. uh, post 9-11 and it's like Fly by Sugar Ray. It's literally any song that mentioned like flying any movie that had an uh, airplane yeah. in it yeah. like it's nuts. Uh, so this movie wouldn't have made it past then and the rest of it you can't like there are things to say about like where it's ending up like if you disagree with where it ends up that's totally fine. I just don't think that that is the point of the movie. I have qualms with the movie itself in terms of quality. There, I do have,
1: How does Meatloaf's performance uh, with the bitch tits?
0: Yeah, how how's
1: his performance age? I think he's very good. <laughs> I he, actually really like him. Is he
0: a better actor than he is a musician. Yes, uh, okay. the movie itself is extremely over the top, and everyone knows that. Brad Pitt, uh, this is top two. Nice. I mean, this and Once Upon a Time for me, I, like he is. He's getting to be a weird guy in this, yeah. and he doesn't always get to be a weird guy. Uh, moneyball,
1: he's, he's a twelve monkeys? Uh, yeah, hands. but
0: it's, Moneyball's three for me.
1: And this Moneyball's not that moneyball, great he, I like Moneyball. I it's I it's about what we like. But like, I don't like baseball. Though <laughs> that love, is not a baseball. sport that Hunter you love baseball <laughs> for all. We make baseball analogies all the time on this podcast, and I don't think any of us know how baseball no. works all the way. So they um, run
0: around, right? Yeah, and yeah, then they get touched. Yeah. So, Pitt is doing incredible. There's just... The movie is throwing a lot at you. And not all of it is going to stick. And that's fine. This is a 90s movie. (laughs) I I really want to revisit it. It's very I haven't seen it in a while. It goes hand in hand with The Matrix in a lot of ways. Where The Matrix is also... It's like Plato's Allegory of the Cave. It's the same you know it's, it's ancient the end story. of an era but it's also the beginning of an era at yeah the same time. exactly it also shares a lot in common with office space thematically nice. um and they came yeah. out at the same time too office space is another movie that probably wouldn't have gotten made post 9-11 because it ends with this man burning down the office yeah um it's and it's both movies just examine gen x and how the men in particular of gen x are just super repressed and miserable at their jobs uh because uh, guess what gen x they were kind of
1: the first millennials (laughs) in a way they were they if you think about like baby boomers were kind of the first gen xers damn yeah shit Shit.
0: they were like they were already dealing with office jobs that they fucking hated you know like and and like the fact that they couldn't move up because they were just locked like there's a line about how they're all like bartenders and servers and i was like oh that's gig economy you know Mm -hmm. So a lot of that carries over. So a lot of the, over. the social c- um, commentary still yeah. resonates in 2020? I, I also, y- yes, and I also love how... The plot goes so much farther than you would imagine in terms of him. He literally forms a nationwide terrorist organization. Yeah. You, I actually really like that because the movie had already put his balls out on the table. And I, w- I was just thinking, all right, this is going to be like a local fight club <laughs> yeah. that gets out of hand. This is a national organization. Of course, that's not how uh, insomnia works. That's not how split personalities work. Uh, but no movie does a good job of, of you know, portraying that.
1: Wait, have you ever seen Joker? Listen.
0: Have you seen Split? Every person with schizophrenia, pedophile. <laughs> Every person with schizophrenia we, is actually a super villain. We're all clowns. I I will say uh, I fucked up. This is not Fincher's coming out party. He, seven. He did make seven and, and the, the game and the game and the also Alien Three. That was technically his first movie, but he disowned that. So. Yeah, he doesn't talk about that in his yeah. filmography. Um, we haven't forgotten. I still. I enjoyed it a lot. I like Zodiac better. I of like course. I like Gone Girl better. I like social network better. I mean, better. this is this is a conundrum that we always run into when we talk about directors is like, do we prefer the hot spark of that first phase of their career? Or the more mature thing That they grew it's, into In a way know? it's kind
1: of The opposite from I feel like Our personal reactions To certain musicians Where we can kind of Cling on to their earlier work Because it feels more like Raw f- Like unfiltered And we can kind of Get yeah. more of that emotion As opposed to the more like Polished produced versions exactly. Of that Yeah the thing it's is kind he of the was opposite f- With directors Well and not all times
0: And Fincher was pretty Polished out of the gate And he was exercising A lot of restraint In Seven well, Seven is very restrained For what it could be yeah. I think it's more That he bases his style largely off of the source material,
1: and that Fight Club is a book that is just nuts. I mean, Fincher doesn't write like that's a thing like Scorsese and a lot of other people. Like he doesn't really write things, but I. I mean, we'll get into this in our later Fincher episode, but one of the reasons why he did come out so polished is because he had 20 years of making music videos under his belt before he ever yeah, made he a movie. The work. Yeah, he did the work. Yeah, he was,
0: he was in young. Like, he was in the industry already from a young age. Yeah, you're right. He got the years under him. Seven is like a finished product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is just him going fucking nuts. Seven
1: is an incredible movie. It's very Even good if it... Like, I feel like in a way, the, the, case, the case base of it all has kind of gotten better because now case base is just a bad guy yeah. in society. And he didn't play a lot of so bad guys. Fincher
0: only has 10 movies and Mank will be his 11th. So that's Manc. a little sneak peek Man. for you for later this year. I just... I don't know. I wish he would reinvigorate his interest in, like, making movies exclusively. I
1: mean, I... Yeah, we'll see, because it's going to kind of depend on how Mank does. Like, I feel like if Gone Girl would have been a big hit, then he it was might a moderate have. hit. But it was a moderate hit. And then it didn't really get like the awards buzz that I think that he wanted right. it to get. And I think that that's one of the reasons. Among Actually, many, it was a huge to- hit. It made almost four hundred mil. It oh, made was it really three hundred and sixty nine million? But it didn't get the awards buzz that it was trying to get. Like right. he wanted that to be like his movie that would like win Whoa. him an Oscar. I'm, and... I'm sorry. Did you know that
0: Mank is written by David Fincher's father? Yeah. Oh, did, we, wow. did you say that already on this pod? I, uh, well, okay. we
1: talked about it before. Whenever we first talked about Mank, yeah, no, this that is this is, is a passion project for him. His dad's he's never written a the, uh, movie before. His now dead dad. Like this is a mm. A full like passion project yeah, Please passed, give me my Oscar now movie He passed an 03 Yeah At 72 oh, Long um, life Alright well Oh I, I Couple quick things Um Everybody go watch The Outsider Okay It's the best show on television Whoa HBO The penultimate episode came on Best last show on night. television right now Yes Yeah okay Um <laughs> uh, Best show of the decade Um <sighs> It is uh, a masterpiece of a show Love the penultimate episode Love Uh this show Great show Um, Also breaking news for you guys uh, Since this is a highly political episode Uh, MSNBC host Chris Matthews resigned after accusations <laughs> of sexism and harassment. He sucks so
2: Matthews. bad. R. That, R. That Matthews. R.I.P. Oh, Matthews.
1: He signed off on Hardball tonight saying I'm retiring. This is the last Hardball on MSNBC and obviously this isn't for lack of interest yeah. in politics. Good luck no, it's with because, mine fewer it's because Sanders. You're fucking, <laughs> it's
0: because you're a fucking rapist. He's insane. He has sucked my whole life. I've watched him since I was a little kid. He blows. Yeah and this he is always great. thought that he was like. He thought he's the good guy. Well he's like know. any like Gen X and before uh, liberal where they Think that they're far left and they're not Exactly at all. you know yeah. they because they had to Compromise all their beliefs and now they think that You still have to do that right. and you don't He's
1: right. like look here's the thing I'm a liberal I'm voting for Bloomberg yeah it's <laughs> He he! Oh, God, that's good news. <laughs> when to when to end the podcast? Also, talk um, about a shitty. We started voice. political, so let's shitty do hair, political. shitty face. People, people. He came sounds out. like he kind of sounds like a worse version of Marv Albert. He, yeah, the basketball. He's announcer. Very, it's
0: like nasally. Um, he's like, you know, Bernie. We can't have Bernie Sanders in the White House. <laughs> that's a really good impression I just did. Rest in peace, you bitch. <laughs> so people just came out of the woodwork to like fuck him over because they had no reason
1: not to yeah. basically yeah. I hope that uh, Brian from Kansas isn't like a big yeah. Chris Matthews <laughs> stand. we finally lost him <laughs> shit we finally lost well Brian. if you have thoughts on Brian yeah. on Chris Matthews stepping hey, down happy, then, uh, happy
0: super Tuesday tomorrow then, so it'll already be done by the time you listen to this but damn. Uh, go Bernie go he's coming here he comes it's Bernie
1: now we definitely lost him I'm I'm <laughs> I'm writing in a uh, 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 who's somebody who dropped out a long time ago. Uh, Corey, Corey, Corey Booker,
0: Booker. <laughs> he's got this man.
1: I heard Tom Steyer might make a comeback. You know? Yeah. Y- did you hear? Back that ass up. <laughs> you knew Cory Booker. The writing was on the wall for him when, after the first debate, people were like, "He'd make a great vice yeah. president." <laughs> Literally the most backhanded compliment um, you can ever give are somebody. Are
0: Rosario still together? No, they're not. Well, are they?
1: I don't. Well, know. that's what I thought. Were they the other like on night? the set of Briar Patch this, together?
0: <laughs> this, I thought, I thought like be, just because he ended his campaign, like they also broke up. I thought it was like so. I want to. She's like, I'm just
1: trying to get into the White House, you know. Like, I want
0: to watch a documentary about Rosario Dawson's dating history because she went straight from Eric Andre to yeah, Cory Booker. That is right. wild. I would that's watch. So I would watch a movie about that. That like, what a person she. Greenwald, must be. you're still listening. Write the fucking movie. What are you doing, man? Come on. Leave your show behind. Oh, bye. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>